Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from Stay tuned. If you work in the finance accounting, purchasing, or accounts payable department of a U.S. agency or entity and are responsible for setting up vendors in your accounting system or ERP, this podcast is for you. The information in this episode will keep you compliant with regulatory agencies and will also ensure that you are validating that the vendor is real and that the data is not fraudulent prior to adding the vendor to the vendor master file. And that's what we want folks, real vendors. Welcome to episode 22, U.S. Entity, Validations Required to Set Up a U.S. Vendor. And just to give you a sneak peek for next week's episode, episode 23, we will be talking about a U.S. entity, but how to set up a non-U.S. or foreign vendor. So stay tuned for that. Okay, so you are a U.S. entity or a government that is an agency or a U.S. entity, and we need to make sure that you know what you need to validate for a new vendor setup. And let's start now with basic requirements. So everyone knows by now that you need to collect the IRS form W-9, and what you're going to do with that is is you're going to take that vendor legal name and the tax ID that is on the IRS Form W-9, and you're going to validate that against the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS records. You're going to do what's called a 10 match. And I will tell you that um, looking at uh, surveys that have been done there most people or most companies are collecting the w-9 form but not all companies are doing the actual 10 match and so this is what you really want to the whole point of collecting the w-9 um, outside of verifying that they are a real vendor is so that if the vendor needs to be reported on uh, using a 1099 that you don't get penalties or interest from the IRS because uh, you find out after you file that their legal name and tax ID doesn't match. So you want to check that in the beginning. So you want to do the IRS 10 match. You'll use the IRS form W-9 and you will uh, validate that. Now you can validate it free on irs.gov. 
Keep in mind that you do have to register for the IRS e-services. So if you haven't registered or if you have team members that haven't registered and you'd like to do the 10 matches for free, you need to register and it takes about three weeks and you will need your, I believe it's your AGI from your last year's tax filing in order to register for that service. So it is free. Um, there is another paid service out there called 10check.com and it's affiliated with 1099 Pro. I'm not affiliated with either of those, but I do use 10check.com um, because it is connected real time to the IRS database. And once you put in the legal name and the tax ID, it will give you the results. And it does have an advantage with using uh, that paid service because it does other validations, which we'll talk about as we get into them. But the first one is the IRS 10 match using the legal name and tax ID. And you can either do it free on irs.gov registering for their e-services, or you can use the paid service with 10check.com. Now I've also known where companies will use their tax software to perform the IRS 10 uh, check. However, just make sure if you do that, that you uh, enter that in before you set the vendor up and not after. Because when I have seen it done that way, they only update or add the vendor records into that tax software after they've already set the vendor up in the vendor master file. And by that time, I mean, it's not too late. We still need to validate that it matches, but you've lost the opportunity to go back to the vendor and have some leverage to get that information. If it comes back as not a match, because at that time you haven't set them up, you haven't paid them. And by the time you put them in the tax software, you've already done that. Okay. So the next validation is the vendor legal name against specially designated nationals list, the SDN from the Office of Foreign Assets and Control, and that's OFAC. And the reason that you want to validate is that um, vendors that appear on the list should not be set up in your vendor master file. If there's a vendor match, notify your leadership for further action. Um, compliance with OFAC regulations, which means you cannot use a vendor if it appears on that list. It's required for all U.S. individuals and entities and failure to comply can result in both civil and criminal penalties. So if we're talking, we're trying to avoid penalties and interest with the IRS due to a legal name and tax ID not matching, that's nothing compared to the civil and criminal penalties that can be assessed for OFAC uh, violations. Now, with the OFAC validation, you'll need the legal name from the IRS W-9 that you already have, and you want to validate that you can do it free. Um, the U.S. Treasury has a site, and... I will include how to a link to get to my vendor validation reference list. I don't have all the links on here. This one's fairly long, so I won't say it, but I'll have a link in the show notes and 
you can then follow that link, sign up to be a subscriber, and you will get a list of all of the validations that I talk about today, the resources as well as links. Okay, so now that we've validated the vendor with the IRS and also with OFAC, we are now going to validate the addresses. And the reason that we want to validate is we want to confirm that the vendors are not fraudulent, attempting to use addresses that do not exist. It also reduces the potential that check payments or distributed 1099s will not be returned, which you know causes rework for the team. And it also uh, standardizes the address formats in accordance with the U.S. Postal Service and one thing I want to point out um, is if you receive a only a P.O. box, you need to go back to the vendor and also ask for a street address. And this is because many cyber criminals will hide behind P.O. boxes. That could be a hint that you have a fake vendor. And it's not to say that there's something wrong with P.O. boxes. I have a P.O. box, but I also have a physical uh, address as well. So I will get Give both my P.O. box and my physical address and you should be requesting the same from each of your vendors. So you've got the address on the IRS W-9 and that address can be uh, simply the mailing address or the uh, tax address where you would mail the 1099 if, if applicable. You can also have remit addresses and if you do have a remit address that is different from the mailing or tax address, you can ask for an invoice or a fully executed contract to confirm that that is the correct address and then once you have all of those addresses you want to either go to um, the US Postal Service uh, and validate that that address is real and if you do that it will also uh, give you back the standardized format and here is where 10 check will come in handy as well because not only can you put in the uh, vendor legal name and the vendor tax ID but at the same time you can put in the vendor address and in the results uh, in addition to saying whether the uh, IRS 10 match was successful it will also standardize that address for you in the US uh, Postal Service format and it will tell you if that address is valid but again it's not something that is required you can validate it for free on uh, the US Postal Service site and if you'd like to take it a step further, you can also check it on, uh, enter that address on Google Earth and just verify that that address is actually real. So there you have it. The basic requirements for a vendor that is receiving a check payment. That is the IRS 10 match, that is the OFAC check, and that is verification of the address. But how many of us only have those types of vendors. We have vendors that want to be paid via EFT or wire. We have nonprofit vendors 
And if you are a government agency or entity or a healthcare organization, you've got additional requirements. So let's talk about these additional requirements now and you can see if they are applicable for your company. So the first most common one will be the additional requirements if the payment method is ACH or wire. So if the vendor would like to be paid electronically, which most companies do push because we're trying to get rid of check payments and the payment associated payment fraud that goes along with processing manual check. So this one will probably be fairly common. So what you need to validate for the vendor's banking detail is the vendor bank name and the ABA routing number against the Federal Reserve records. And the reason you want to validate that is to confirm that the ACH or wire payments are processed successfully. And this is key to ensure that the correct ABA routing number is used for the right payment. So some bank ABA routing numbers can be used for ACH and wire payments, while some are restricted to only ACH or to only wire. So there could be different um, routing numbers for ACH versus wire. And you just want to verify that. You also want to verify that the routing number is still valid and the bank name is still valid because banks merge and acquire each other so often that if a vendor is taking their routing number from the check, that check could be very old. It could be the previous routing number. So you always want to make sure that you verify that information before you put it into um, the vendor master file. And I do recommend that you collect the vendor banking information on either the vendor letterhead, a bank letter, or preferably a company branded banking setup form. And I actually prefer that form better because you can include on your form the specific uh, vendor information that can also authenticate the vendor in the case of future changes. So you can add the tax ID to that, you can add a remit address, and you can also require that the vendor include old banking details as a form of authentication if they would like to update it in the future. Future. And that authentication on that company branded banking setup form can be key in thwarting phishing attempts because the fraudster will not know the vendor's uh, existing banking details. And so because they won't know it, it won't get updated and you will not have the opportunity to make a fraudulent payment. Okay, so how to validate. So this validation is another free one. Um, you can go to the uh, FRB services and again, the links will be in the vendor validation reference list that I'll give you a link to in the show notes. But there is a separate link for ACH routing numbers and there is a separate link for wire routing numbers. Now, you may think that you're, you were all done with OFAC when you check the vendor legal name, but if the vendor wants a electronic payment, then you also have to check and make sure that the vendor's bank name is not on the specially designated nationals list. So the same way that you check the vendor on the treasury site for OFAC or on 10 check, you will want to verify or check the bank name uh, as well. 
And again, just like the vendor legal name, if the bank name appears on that list, do not set that bank up in the vendor master file for payment. Um, notify your leadership for further action. Okay, so let's move on. So how about if the vendor is a nonprofit vendor? So if the vendor is a nonprofit vendor, there is an additional requirement to verify the, the vendor legal name, a tax ID against the IRS's records for exempt organizations. And the reason you want to validate is to confirm whether the vendor is registered for tax exempt status, which can protect your company against a request to set up a fraudulent charitable organization. It can also identify those vendors that are classified as a 501c3 whose tax deductible, I can't say that, tax deductible contributions may be monitored and require approval due to tax requirements for your company. So you're catching two things. You're catching those fake charities and everyone knows around um, November, uh, which is I think giving day is the second Tuesday um, where it's giving day. And then anytime where there is a national or world weather um, issue, then those fake charities start popping up. And if you get a request to set up a charitable organization, please check that IRS exempt organization tool so that you can protect your company by verifying that they are actually a valid tax exempt organization. Now you'll validate that using the IRS W-9 and you can validate it um, just like the IRS 10 match on irs.gov. There's an EO select check tool. Now you don't have to register with e-services in order to access the tool, but when you get to the tool, all you do is key in the vendor's legal name and the tax ID and it will tell you um, whether that vendor is registered as a tax exempt organization. That validation will be done on 10 check automatically when they verify the, the 10 match. They will also do an EO um, select check or select tool um, search and 10check.com will come back and tell you if the vendor is tax exempt. Okay, so let's talk about the next uh, additional requirement. So actually the last two are based on the entity you are. So there is an additional requirement if you are a government agency or entity. You need to check the vendor legal name against the System for Award Management or SAM. And that is because governments are prohibited from awarding contracts to contractor entities that are on their exclusion list and you want to search by name to verify the vendor is not on the list and you'll use the vendor legal name that's on the IRS W-9 and the search is free. Um, you search directly on SAM.gov and they have a place you can put in the legal the vendor's legal name or if you happen to know the DUNS number you can enter that as well and this one is like OFAC. If it comes back with no results, then you know you're good. However, if the vendor does do work for other government entities, they should be in SAM. And if you do get a hit, there is a section where you can look and it's a question or one field that says, is the vendor on the exclusion list? And as long as it says no, then you're good to go. 
All right, the last additional requirement is if your company is a healthcare organization. So if your company is a healthcare organization, you need to check the vendor legal name against the exclusion list of the Office of Inspector General or OIG. And the reason you want to do that is because the Office of Inspector General has the authority to exclude individuals and entities from federally funded healthcare programs. So again, you want to search by name to verify the vendor is not on the list and you'll use the legal name from the IRS W-9 and that search is free through the Office of Inspector General on their website. Okay folks, so we talked about a lot today in episode 22. If you're a U.S. entity, what validations are required to set up a U.S. vendor? We talked about the basic requirements, the IRS 10 match, the OFAC check for the vendor legal name, and also the vendor address. We then talked about additional requirements for validations if the vendor's payment method is ACH or wire, if the vendor was a nonprofit vendor, or if your company or entity was a government agency or entity or a healthcare organization. As normal, please review these recommendations with your leadership and or auditing team and adjust based on your accounting system or ERP or any third-party systems for your company processes and or your industry. So this could include verifications for insurance certificates, um, checking with the Better Business Bureau, Dun & Bradstreet, Denied Persons List, and more. Also, if you have a vendor self-registration portal, hopefully it's doing the majority of these validations, but if not, review and supplement as needed. As promised, if you want a handy cheat sheet that includes all the links to the validation resources that I talked about in this podcast episode, you can sign up for my mailing list and download the vendor validation reference list and you can share it with your entire team. And one bonus is that all subscribers on my mailing list are entered into a monthly drawing to win a putting the AP in happy coffee mug. So I will have the link in the show notes to that vendor validation reference list. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 22nd episode of Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for a link to download your very own vendor validation reference list with links to all the resources we talked about on today's podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.